welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. All right, welcome to another episode of the Northwich Podcast. And on today's show, we have Amy Blackthorne, the amazing herbalist witch that we cannot keep her books on our shelf. And there is good reason why. Every time I crack one open, they look absolutely amazing. So we're happy to have you here, Amy. And Thanks so much. How, how are things going today? Amazing. I got to hang out with some people. I went and saw the new Batman movie and uh I'm I'm recuperating for writing two books last year. My my brains are mostly settled back in their their home. <laughs> That's bet. a big undertaking. Wow! Wow! Yeah, wow! In between both not in between both books, I actually started a novel. So like it's it's coming out. So how do you manage all of that? Because just looking at your repertoire here, I mean, you've released two books now in the last year. You have your tea shop, you do magic, you teach magic. And I believe you're still doing professional readings and rituals. So like, yep. how do you, do you have any tips or tricks for people that live busy lives on how to manage this? Like, do you have some amazing teas that you make that give you this super juju or like, what, what do you got for us? I'm a double Virgo. So I have a master list and then subset lists to keep me organized for all the other things that I do. Um, it's super cute because my friend Eleanor, who's my graphic designer for the tea shop, uh, at one point I asked her for business cards for different things that I had done so I could print them on demand and somebody needs a, 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 some writing, somebody needs some tarot, like I'd have the right card to hand them. And so I got done the list of cards that I needed. And there was like 30 cards there. I'm never going to print that many business cards. And so I just scrolled back up to the top and said, anyone that says I do stuff. And she made them. She made like five different designs for it. And so the, the witchy shop I was reading for at the time, they traded them like trading cards. It was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Amy Blackthorne, she does stuff. She does stuff. <laughs> Queen of stuff. 
That's fantastic. So what got you onto this crazy journey of botanical awesomeness? Cause like you are releasing things that I have wished were on the market for years. You know, like I, I grew up reading Cunningham and stuff like that. And, you know, always wanted expansion on that. Like, like how do we involve this in our cooking? How do we involve this in our teas? How do we make these brews and potions and stuff? And, you know, there was very limited resources out there before, but you've kind of really just been taking it by storm. So like what, what started the process and, and how did you get to where you are today with this? It's funny. I grew up in Baltimore City, like Baltimore City, city. Like there's one tree for every two or three blocks. Um, and we had five square feet of grass in the backyard. So when you know, we'd go outside to play, that, like that, that's it. There's, there's some grass, make stuff happen. So when in the second grade, we moved to the suburbs and we had an acre and two trees. <laughs> Well, we the funniest thing happened. Uh, we were investigating the yard. You know, I was you know, in second grade, so it's like what eight, ten. I found we had in the side yard we had two azalea bushes. I didn't know there were azaleas at that point, but I see these beautiful pink flowers and this lush bush in the middle of this yard, and I'm thinking, okay, this is cool. I've never really seen anything like this. So I sit down, like I'm gonna have a conversation with this azalea. And I, I'm looking at the flowers and the petals and I bump into one of the flowers and it falls out and I think, oh crap, I broke it. And I look in the little cup where this beautiful flower fell out of and there's a little black seed. And it's like the universe opened up and poured directly into my brain. I'm like, plants make flowers that make seeds. Like it's a whole contained system. And <laughs> I was blown away. I had to know everything about plants from that minute on. Like I'm going to the neighbors, asking to do chores for pocket change. Next thing you know, I'm pedaling my bike back from the grocery store where I have a five pound bag of soil and a window box and a six pack of petunias riding home because I wanted to grow my own stuff. I wanted to make this happen because this is magic. Like there was dirt before and now there's flowers. Absolute magic. So fast forward a, a few years and I am 11, sharing a bedroom with my older sister who is 14. And her and her best friend come home one day. Her best friend is all very worldly. She had spent the summer in Italy with her parents. And so they're, they're giggling and sneaking, saying bad words in Italian. And they come upstairs and they're very concerned over Holly's book bag. And they're whispering and they're giggling. I'm like, okay, the easiest way, anyone who has a younger sibling can tell you, to get your sibling involved in your business is tell them to go away. <laughs> now I know, I gotta know what they've got. Like it might be some really good candy, I'm figuring, so I gotta figure out what's in there. I gotta get in. And so that night, uh, her friend goes home. House settles down for the night. And myself, like the pink panther, slink out of my bed, tippy toe across the floor on my fingertips and, and sneak open her book bag one tooth at a time. God forbid I get caught, you know, that's it. That's the end of it for me. And I peek at her book bag and it's Cunningham's Wicca Guide for Solitary Practitioner. So I sneak it back to my side of the room and I read this thing by the light of the gas station down the street. Just, just not even, I'm not even risking a flashlight here. And it was, it was the best thing ever. I was like, okay, all this stuff that I had been thinking should be a thing actually is a thing. We had been going to whatever church was close by just so I, my parents had like some time to themselves on Sunday mornings. So it didn't matter what it was. It was just close. So I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is the stuff that's 
that I've been thinking in my head that I've been waiting for somebody to like hand it to me. And I found it on my own. So the next thing I know, I'm in the, I'm walking to the library every day anyway. I could just wander over to the nonfiction section after I finish with my fiction sections. So I read everything I could get my hands on in the 133s. And uh, I, I never looked back. By the time I was uh, 15, my parents had divorced and then each remarried different people. And so I, I lived with my stepmom, with my mom and my stepdad and said, hey, like, I'm a witch. My mom had zero reaction because she's she's got four kids. She knows everything's a phase to, if you're a parent. She says, okay, well, you know, have you told your dad? She sends me outside to talk to my stepdad. He's building a trellis for clematis. And I said, so, uh, Johnny, um, I'm a witch. And he looks me right in my face, smiles and says, oh, I dated a witch in high school. How was your day? Like <laughs> nonplussed. Like he is, is cool as a cucumber. Love, love that man. That's fantastic. And it was, I kept waiting for it to be this big thing. And uh, it, it wasn't even a thing. <laughs> That's great. So, so then were they so encouraging to you after that? Oh, yeah. Um, my mom bought my, my first half of me. Um, we, we would go to, the, at that point, it was the late 90s. So the closest place that I knew of was uh, Belvoking Candle in Baltimore. And uh, it, was, it was just the sweetest thing because my mother says, okay, you know, this is your big news. I don't want to give away your news, but I really want my best friend Mickey to know, like, I need to tell somebody, can we, can we like go over there and you tell her you're a witch so I can talk to her about this? Sure. Hey, Mick, guess what? I'm a witch, you know, go do your thing. Well, once I, she, once I told Mickey, she says, I gotta tell somebody. Okay. Like knock yourself out. I'm going to tell Miss Melanie. That's it. She got the gleam in her eyes, like the social capital that she's <laughs> constructed for herself just by having a kid for a witch. Um, and her best friend says, oh, me too. So now all of a sudden we had this thing where I, I could get shipped down to her house for the weekend and my mom and my stepdad could hang out and be grownups and I could have my witch time. Yeah, she she went to the witchy store for Yule and, and bought my very first athame, a little pewter thing with a cat handle, really adorable. And uh, my my aunt Peep, we we went there. She she'd go and pick out things for, from the witchy store for my. Everybody was super cool about it. So awesome. So then, tell us how your path became, like, to be the amazing Amy and be this incredible author, and just <laughs> that you just keep. They just keep coming from you. It's just it is amazing how your knowledge is just growing and growing and growing. You just keep sharing with the world. It's it's fantastic. The first thing I think about when I want to sit down and work on a new project is what is the book that I wish I had for 14-year-old Amy or 15-year-old Amy? Like who is, what is the stuff I wish I'd had when I started doing this? And that's where, that's where it starts. There's a lot of books that have a lot of different information available, but the things that I was looking for didn't exist. There was, there was some Cunningham and there's some, some other neat stuff to, to go about, but it wasn't the depth that I was looking for. Like I love, I'm looking at my copy of um, Encyclopedia of Magical Aromatherapy by Cunningham and it's a little pamphlet on each plant. So there's a ton of plants in there, but there's a paragraph maybe about each one. And with the prevalence and the availability of magical materials that we have right now, 
at this point in our lives is incredible. If I had had access to the essential oils that I have now, 20 years ago, my God, I, I take over the world. <laughs> so I just, I want to write the things that I needed at that point, because I know that if I'm writing for who she was and what she needed, somebody else is going to need that. And so when you're first starting with a proposal uh, and you're looking at what I'm going to write and how you're going to take care of these pieces, things like word counts are completely nebulous and you have no frame of reference for it. 85,000 words just sounds like a big number. Right. Uh, there's, no, there's no listing that says, hey, this book is this many numbers and this book is this many numbers. So you can compare and contrast. You're just like, uh, I think this. <laughs> so putting together uh, botanical magic was a huge undertaking for somebody who had never written anything more than, you know, a 20 page paper in college. But it was something that I had wanted a book with my name on it since before I could write my name. Little like kindergarten, preschool, Amy, like I had stories that lived in my chest that, that I really wanted to get out. Um, I just found a copy online of my middle school yearbook for the eighth grade. And in that, what are, what are you going to do be when you grow up section just said award-winning author and didn't if I didn't do it. <laughs> wow. Isn't that fantastic? I've I just love that. always had, I always thought it would be stories. I thought it'd be fiction before nonfiction, but I've always had this need to get out all the things that, that live in your chest and need to be out in the world. And this was just my way of getting there. Some people draw it out. Some people sing it out. I needed to write it. I love that you're writing it to who you used to be. That is so, I mean, it's just so powerful that way, right? So you will, yes. you're impactful because it, you know that path already. I was really lucky with Protection Magic, which came out last Tuesday. Um, I never thought that I'd get to do something like this because I've worked in executive protection as my, my day job, you know, more, almost two decades. And I've, I've gotten to be Amy the Witch full-time for different jobs, but I've never gotten to get those two people in the same room. <laughs> so when I talked to my editor, we've, we've been friends for 10 years before I started with uh, Wiser, before any of that. And she said, you know, I, I wanted to write a book on protection magic because it's, it's my whole gig. When she proposed it, once you write a proposal, they take it to the pub board. They say, hey, this is what Amy wants to write. This is what the, the market looks like. And do we think we can sell this? It's super easy, very general. And she threw in that I worked in executive protection and uh, private security for however long. And that I taught self-defense classes and I, you know, all these other mundane teaching things aside from the witchy teaching things. And so they put in physical self-defense in the proposal, in the title. And I was like, oh, I, I can write, I can, I can put those two people in the same room. <laughs> so all but one of the chapters different magical practices and accept what you expect to find in a book on protection magic. But in the middle, chapter six is real world things. Like how many people have quick set locks on their front door? You know, 75% of all new home constructions use quick set locks. So everyone knows how to pick them. So don't buy quick set. <laughs> um, I like Slage because they know they're being picked. They've got tighter allowances. So it's harder to pick them, which means makes it harder for somebody to get in your house. 
Like that's the stuff that I do during my day that I would never think I'd get allowed to talk about in a witchy book. So I talk about situational awareness and I talk about the safety things you can do around your house to incorporate plants, but aren't necessarily strictly magical. Like putting an ivy uh, around the front steps to keep away burglars, growing a holly tree. They're supposed to keep away lightning, but no burglars are gonna hide in the holly tree. Anyone's ever been within five feet of a holly knows how sharp they are. Yes. <laughs> burglars not gonna hide out in the holly. That's, that's a sucky way to do it. <laughs> so it's great the different pieces that you can put together as a person, and I get to be all of me in one book. I never thought I'd get to do any of that because it's so compartmentalized, you know? Security is a very conservative field. I, I don't get to be Amy Blackthorne at work, you know? But now that I get to work real time, I got to bring some of that, that other Amy in, and I, I'm really excited about it. I bet that feels amazing, like super, even more powerful for you, right? Because now you actually be, get to be whole Amy now. I bet yes. that's a great thing for you. The, the funny thing is right before I left this, my, my last station, I had someone in my office who I, you know, I don't talk about Amy outside of work. I, I just go to work and do work things. I had 20 officers that reported to me. I was uh, responsible for 35 floors of human lives that, you know, I, I've got to be able to be on my job. So I'm not doing my nails and answering the phone and talking about, you know, what a bad day I had at my hairdresser appointment. Because I didn't talk about Amy outside of work, one of the guys that reported to me decided to figure out what I was hiding. And so I come into work. It's five in the morning, which is a ridiculous time to have to be anywhere. I come in. I always relieve the guy at the front desk. I get my radio. I, I sign into all that stuff. He goes to the basement and relieves the guy who's in front of the cameras all night so he can go home. So I walk in. I get my radio. I clock in. And the, the gentleman question, oh, hi, how you doing? Fine, fine. How are you? How, you know, nothing caught on fire overnight. And he says, so he's very self-satisfied, very proud of himself. He says, so you're a witch, huh? <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop because my brain just starts freaking out. <laughs> Who does he know? Who did he talk to? Delaware is exactly this big. There's less than 1 million people in the state of Delaware. So everyone knows everyone because the state is this big. At the, at the narrowest point, Delaware is 12 miles wide. Small state. <laughs> So I'm thinking, who does he know? Because I've been Amy the Witch out in the world since I was 18 with half of the state. No, no, I, he didn't know anyone. He just did his, did did some little uh, security magic and said, oh, look, here's this Amy Blackburn person. She looks awful lot like my boss. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> I can't recover. There's There's no coming back from that. <laughs> he winds up going downstairs. And I know the minute he walks in the door, he's gonna start talking to the rest of the people in the building. By 10 a.m., half of the building was like, oh, did you hear, Amy's a witch, did you, did you hear this? He does not, did not, he might now, understand at that point how dangerous those words are. He just thinks he's proud of himself because he figured, he figured out the big secret. It does not occur to him 
that there are people who think it is their duty and completely appropriate to threaten to unalive someone who is of a different religion than they are. So it was a, it was a very busy week, I will say. <laughs> but uh, it's very interesting to find the links that people will go to if you tell them, hey, this isn't about you. Like, this is not for you. I, I talk quite a bit in Protection Magic about the different things that have happened just because someone found out I was a witch. I mean, I've been run off the road into oncoming traffic. I had a man show up at my house with a claw hammer to threaten to kill my pets and burn down my house. Like being a witch is not, it's its not for cred points. Like this is, this is real life. It can be interesting. <laughs> right, and some people just set some right off the rails and thinks that it's, it's okay to be in other people's business and treat them poorly and or differently or so yeah. then with that too then amy um and with your experience in security and martial arts and everything else and then obviously having your personal life somewhat invaded once people found out who you are do you have any tips or tricks for our listeners maybe on how to perhaps protect their magical self in mundane ways or to protect their mundane self in magical ways, like kind of the, the two-way street thing, you know what I mean? I absolutely love it. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite ones is to create a replica of your home, not necessarily a dollhouse, but um, my favorite way is taking uh, a very crude blueprint of your home and make a mirror box to put it in, to keep everything, even the little yous and whoever else lives in your home, in that box so that they're safe and they're protected. The mirrors reflect anything um, really negative that's directed at you or your home, anyone inside of it. Uh, you can fill it with protective herbs that speak to what you're looking for. Um, I really love working with lavender, not just because it chills everyone out, but it helps um, keep the air clean in that it doesn't allow secrets to be to remain hidden. Like it brings them out and gives them the air to speak makes it so that people are comfortable enough and feel safe enough to bring out those things that they may have wanted to keep secret in a healthy and, and really impactful way. So you can keep your mundane self in that box of magic. You can also create the avatar of your magical self to keep in that very, very nice box. Uh, I actually got a mirror box when Bombay company near us was closing. It's just a jewelry box that's mirrored on the outside and it makes a lovely little bed of uh, cedar and lavender, um, frankincense tears to, to give it some oomph and a little bit of cinnamon to make it go. But it makes a, a great project that you can do with small kids all the way up to, you know, just mom and dad at home, making sure that everyone within those walls is safe and well and protected and whole. That's I love that. I love that. Where do we find <laughs> that, Amy? In which one of your awesomeness? In the <laughs> in Black Earth Protection Magic. Nice. So, I broke it up into three pieces because I, there's a lot of books on protection magic out there. Um, like a lot of people talk about Dion Fortune's um, psychic protection and there's a lot of different pieces, but I wanted to make sure that it was a whole system in that we're talking about protection for your mind, body, and spirit. So mind has psychic defense drills in it. It's got how to keep yourself safe if you're out walking alone. Um, I talked to Matt Oren about um, we talked about our favorite psychic projections for when we're feeling vulnerable and by ourselves. Um, he talks about projecting the voice of an angry barking dog to, to drive away people with ill intent. 
uh, one of the ones I talk about in protection magic is um, I'm, a, I'm a motorcycle rider. I get out onto wheels, like get away from some people. So my projection is my leather motorcycle safety jacket. It probably weighs 50 pounds. It has protected me through a lot of things. And now that it's been so long that I've worked with it, I can feel that even when we're, you know, it's packed away for the winter, I can project that feeling of the strong grounding leather jacket to protect me from the things that are going on and out in the world. Those are the really important things. So we talk about physical protection. There's a chapter on plants that you can grow. You can, uh, different shapes of the gardens will grow the magic of your intention, which is protection. You can also then harvest those plants for protection spells later. Um, indoor gardening with containers and uh, all those little indoor plants that are very popular at the moment. And then the, the physical section also carries that chapter six that talks about bodily protection, how to escape rope, duct tape, zip ties, chains, anything illegal, uh, things that people would not necessarily be allowed to keep you with. So um, how to pick handcuffs, how to escape chains, um, how to ditch a stalker, how to know if someone's following you home, what to do if someone's following you home. Uh, these, are, these are things that I've worked so many years for and I could, at that point, only teach, you know, a handful of students in a classroom at a time. That's a lot of classroom teaching. By putting it in the book here and getting that word out, thousands of people can understand what they can do to keep themselves safe right today. This is great. And what timing that you came out in this and in in how our world seems so much more chaotic right now. Yes. And so perfect timing for the masses honestly right it's i'm excited to get it too the spirit section talks about your emotional well-being your emotional protection so it's got things like incense recipes and essential oil recipes for magical oils that you can use for your protection magic and then the very last section is just all the miscellaneous stuff that i couldn't fit anywhere else <laughs> I, I absolutely love that you did include the mundane because, you know, like a lot of people in the magical community, even some experienced people that I know, they always fail to follow up their magical practice with the mundane actions that ensure that it happens. So I was really, really happy to see that in there. And I think that's something that really sets it apart from other protection magic books. And it's a very, very cool take on it. I, I absolutely love how you went that way with it. Thank you. When I talked about the physical protection, actively protecting your person, I talked to, gosh, a number of people and the number of people who said, oh, well, yeah, I, I carry a pocket knife on me. You know, they've never trained with a pocket knife. They, they just know that if for some reason they needed it, they'd now rise to the level of Jackie Chan and, and defend themselves with this pocket knife that they've never used. And it's like, I'm sorry, pumpkin, that's not how that works. You need to do training. You need to practice. These are perishable skills. Uh, I talk about the pros and cons of pepper spray or uh, stun guns for you know defensive carry. Uh, there are so many really great materials out there. They may or may not be legal in your area. So it's definitely uh, the pros and cons list definitely talks about the, the little minutia that unless you've taken this class, unless you've uh, practiced with different styles of pepper spray, you wouldn't know that there's a difference. You might not know what those differences are, or how to even go about finding out that information. So I really loved 
being able to offer some of that to someone who wouldn't have known that they didn't know something. When they talk about, you don't know what you don't know, that's why it's there. <laughs> Absolutely. So what, what is your next book that is coming out? Because you said you've got another one on the rails there. What, what is the plans with that one? So Blackthorn's Botanical Wellness is a discussion and a, a look at what we need to understand as magical people that self-care leaves out. It's not just, I mean, if it was as easy as a bubble bath and a glass of wine, we'd have done that already. There's very specific things that magical practitioners know that we should be doing that we aren't. And there's a way that we can incorporate not just self-care, but the whole of our selves in our practices. There's, I counted probably 20 self-care books in the witchy section in the last two or three years. Especially once the pandemic got full swing, there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's self-care, we didn't do it. You know, not a single one of them, not a single one talks about chronic illness. 40% of uh, people, even just in our country, have a chronic illness of one type or another. And they, there's, there's no discussion of it. There's no impetus for it. Everyone says, oh, you know, they want to pretend that, you know, if you think nice thoughts, your quartz crystals, that you're just going to get better. And that's not the reality for most of the people in this country. So, I mean, even diabetes, because it has uh, an understanding and people know what it is for the most part, they don't think of it as a chronic illness. They just think of it as, you know, something my friend's brother's dog walker has. It doesn't have any truth for them unless they actually deal with it on a daily basis. So all of these things were missing from the discussions on where we want to be as magical practitioners. And it was neat. There gets a point when I'm elbows deep in a new book where a specific piece of that will jump out and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to be here. Like um, in botanical brews, I wrote 5,000 words on doing magic with acid. I just sat down. And I was like, okay, this is all the cool stuff we're going to do. And for the wellness book, I actually took some materials and created something I had never seen or heard for before. Um, we're creating a servitor to assign a ritual tool to help us do some of these self-care tasks that I would rather be set on fire than do. <laughs> I, I don't want to call a new doctor and set up an appointment for whatever testing gets stabbed with needles. Like no one wants that. No one wants that at all. But if I had somebody to help me do these things, if I had some, some backup, make it a little easier. So there's some really neat stuff that's that's coming out in the wellness book that I didn't expect when I wrote the synopsis for what it is going to be. And those are the neat things that just sort of are born in the back of your head and say, okay, like I'm ready to be in the world. Let's do this. That's fantastic. I, I actually love that idea. That sounds like a great idea. Super <laughs> I need excited about it. To do that. <laughs> <laughs> so now, one thing I have noticed over the last 20 years of me doing this is that it seems like the public eye goes from, you know, nobody would curse me, real witches don't do that because of karma, to, oh my god, everybody on Facebook is fucking cursing me, I need to do this. So what are your tips and tricks for our listeners for discerning if they're actually under attack 
if they're having a Facebook disagreement and they're just actually having anxiety or like, how do you go about discerning it? Especially since you're now a, a public figure in the occult world, people know you, you've written all of these books. Obviously you face this at work in the mundane world and whatsoever. So can you maybe give some tips or tricks on how you discern this for our listeners? Absolutely. There's, uh, there's a checklist in protection magic. So if you're if you're really concerned, there's a, just right in the in the layer, you count up one a scale of one to ten. One is no, everything's cool, and ten means means you need some professional help. Like there's there's some stuff happening. The very first thing I look at to see are you already engaged in any regular protection magic practice? Do you have something that you do weekly, monthly, uh, every full moon to make sure that your space is clear and protected? There's a shocking number of people who do nothing. They wait until something goes wrong and say, oh, I need 37 candles. They don't think about the proactive defensive steps that you need to go through because they think that they'll never need it. It's a very nice thought, <laughs> but the, the hexes, really true, true hexes might be more rare, but it can happen. So if they are engaged in a regular personal practice, I remind them that it needs to be varied, doing the same thing every lunar. One, you'll get burned out. And two, if you have a, a purple polka dot monster living in your closet and he only responds to moon water from Taurus, like you, you don't know that until you get there. Until you get to that point, you can have a, the magical equivalent of medical uh, resistant staph infection. Like you've got MRSA in, in monster land. <laughs> so vary your practice. Vary the things that you're using to both protect your house and to cleanse your house to make sure that uh, even if you've been best friends with uh, Susie, our Pez, our Pez witch Susie, we've been best friends for 20 years. We have a fight. Susie says, peace, I'm out. <laughs> if she knows all of my layers, of magical practice and protection for my house, she knows how to get around them. Even if we, you know, even if I never in a million years thought that Susie and I would ever break up, we've been best friends for, if she knows all your protections, guess what? She knows the, the keypad to your security system. She knows how to get in without being detected. So varying your practice, making sure those things are proactive rather than reactive are the first two things I always talk about. Um, if you have a current practice, Keep an eye outside at the very edge of the line of your property to see if something goes wrong out there. Water main, uh, electricity goes out. Those things that could be just a little bit inconvenient or they could be disastrous because if they're happening just outside the little magical border you've drawn around your property, guess what? It's time to up those protections because someone is trying to get in. Your protections are working because it's still happening outside that line, but guess what? Just the right combination of things that can help over that line. So make sure that you're, you can bump up that protection a little bit. Um, one of the things I would like to look for is, are you more run down than usual? Is there little annoying things happening in the, inside the house that are, again, not really harmful, but definitely something that could be a problem later. Um, all of your appliances suddenly going to pot. Like those are things you should probably keep an eye out for. Those are the things that are the warnings before the bigger action comes. 
because once those little dominoes start falling, guess what? There's only so much between you and whatever's happening. Um, and as a, as a public figure now, I do, I make sure I bump up those protections every time a new book comes out because people start talking about you, your name comes up in, in conversation more often, people are reminded that you exist. And so it's a little bit more important that time of the year. So if it's someone that I've worked with, it's a client, it's someone who's taken my classes, like what's going on in your life that you think this might be an issue? It's not necessarily a who, but you can work your way around to that who by going, okay, what's new? Um, one of the things that I, especially for my friends who are a little bit more plant inclined, uh, every uh, full moon, I take a walk around the property, make sure everything's kosher, everything's where it's supposed to be. I notice if any new plants have popped up because that is a big sign, especially from uh, our practitioner's standpoint. When I'm at, oh my goodness, it was probably eight years ago, I was walking the properties right around the full moon and between the last moon and this moon, eight or nine poke plants popped up along the edge of a fence in the backyard. Okay, poke is poisonous. It's that big leafy purpley droops of berries. Everybody's mom screams, don't touch it, they're poison. Okay, if they're poisonous, they can protect you. They can protect themselves. Okay, so what is behind me that I didn't see that they're protecting me from? Like something's definitely happening. It's not one plant that just appeared overnight. So I start going through my protection list. What's new, what's going on? I found out I had a stalker. Uh, it was very serious. The police needed to be involved. Uh, there was there was some heinous things happening. Um, it was as a result of my uh, security job, not my not my witchy people. But uh, it was it was a very dangerous situation. Uh, there 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 was some police involvement. There were some charges filed. There was a trip to court. But I honestly think that if I hadn't understood what was going on, if I hadn't had that opportunity that Pope gave me saying, hey, you should check into this. I honestly think I would not be here. Wow. It, it was it was some some serious business. That's powerful. And so that's so, just paying attention always. Like you say, keep, you know, do it, whether you choose it at the full moon, do your whole walkabout, do yeah, pay attention. If anything has changed, that's, that's huge. It's impactful, but it's so easy to do. Yeah. People get worked up and they, 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 you know, they can tell that their shoulders come up to their ears. They're saying, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't take a look around. Mm -hmm. the the spirits deity whoever that you uh, work with they're going to figure out a way to tell you what's up you just have to stop scrolling long enough to look up from your phone and figure out what's going what's going on pay attention yeah it's hard to do but it's so easy for them to communicate once we give ourselves the the minutes yeah be, and be willing to accept that that they're there yes. and wanting to work and help, right? I love the advice of stop scrolling for a bit and pay attention to life too. That, that's something I think everybody could use, whether mundane or magical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at, think back to this time two years ago, you know, everything was, was shutting down, everyone was staying home. And the number of statuses uh, on, on social media, whatever port you were plugged into, talking about, oh my goodness, there's so many more birds around. There's so many more bugs around. Like 
no, no, honey, they have always been there. You are just living in your phone and haven't been able to look outside. You have not looked outside your windows in so long, you forget how many birds are in your neighborhood. Just giving yourself permission to look up for a bit. Yeah, slow down, pay attention, smell the roses type of Absolutely. Thing. There's so much pressure to perform whatever it is every minute of every day. The number of people who stop at a stoplight and pick up their phone to scroll and because we're told we're supposed to be busy doing something every minute of the day. Yeah. Like your, product, your productivity is not going to keep you safe from the rest of the world. For sure. Well, and that leads kind of into one of my other questions I had for you, because a lot of the people that come to me for help or whatever, usually it ends up being actually them that's causing themselves harm and them that is self-jinxing or self-hexing or whatever. And like you said, if you're in your phone all the time and things like that, that can just lead into that. So do you have any um, tips or tricks for perhaps noticing if you are self-sabotaging and maybe protecting yourself from that so that you know you can live your best life or as your best self? One of the things I, I very strongly recommend is stop being so hard on yourself, first of all. Your, your, your self-worth is not derived by your productivity. Like I know capitalism's job is to like tell you that you're the thing, you're the product. But taking some minutes, I don't care if it's five minutes where you lock yourself in the bathroom so no one can find you, to just close your eyes and breathe because... We're not allowed to just be right now at all. <laughs> There's so much happening that when we get ourselves worked up, we're looking for the outside explanation as to why these things are happening. And a lot of those times, it's simply the fact that we are so wrapped up in making sure that we're covering all the bases every minute of the day that you're working yourself up into a panic attack over literally nothing. Not all panic attacks are nothing. It's, that's, not, that's definitely not a thing. But we work so hard at trying to find the root cause of whatever bad thing that's happening, we're, again, cursing ourselves. So being told, you know, oh, Susie is, you know, hexing people. Oh, well, have I ever accidentally pissed her off? And um, it is, would, she, would she be cursing me? Likely no. Real cursing takes time and energy and effort and materials and knowledge and all this other stuff. That if you just accidentally cut somebody off in traffic, might they give you the finger? That's quite possible. But does that mean that they want you to drive off the road into a tree? Absolutely not. If you feel that way, if you're feeling like there's just something working up and something bad could happen. I had one of my dearest friends in the whole world, Michael, called me in a panic one night. He said, I saw a magic fox or some thing that jumped out of the woods at him it's like okay this is this is awful i just feel like something bad is going to happen and he had just resigned himself to wait and see what was going to happen that is not a thing <laughs> you are you are a witch my love you are empowered to go and do and stop these things before they happen you can throw a handful of salt at it you can go home and take a shower with uh, some protective oils and some herbs and make sure that you are as protected as you can be before that thing happens but the best thing you can do is when you feel that building up in your chest is laugh in its face because the, the very 
the, the very low level jinxes and things that come up in our daily life are easily defeated when you just laugh in their face. The opposite is also true. Just because someone says they're gonna hex you, does it mean they're going to? No, I'd say nine out of 10 times, they want you to be so anxious and nervous about the thought of them maybe cursing you that you curse yourself. They didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to light a candle. I didn't have to, no, I didn't have to do anything. You cursed yourself. I'll be over here drinking a martini. Like, have a nice day. <laughs> so just being able to laugh at it takes out so much of the work. If you just stop and realize that magic sees the path of least resistance. So if them telling you they cursed you and you can laugh at it, like, guess what? You just did most of the work for free. That's great. I love that. <laughs> okay. So then with that, um, do you find, and since you have the protection magic just came out, self-care is coming out. Do you have any tips or tricks for increasing that self-care so that people get themselves in a position where they're not doing that self-sabotage, that self-jinxing, that, you know, where to maybe overcome that negative monkey mind talk or, you know, something along those lines. My favorite one is to find the practice that you're currently just over the moon about. Uh, maybe this week it's tarot and sit and dedicate some time to practice or study or because it gives us permission to turn off the rest of the world for 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is and be with yourself. I mean, the, if you look at the, the myriad number of things that exist in our society to keep us from talking to ourselves, I mean, drugs, alcohol, <laughs> the movie theater, all of these things are trying so hard to keep us from understanding and from recognizing that we're pretty great people. You know, we just, there's some scary stuff that lives in here sometimes. And the best thing we can do is to get in touch with it by looking away from it. Okay, this anxiety is a little, okay, let's pull out some tarot cards and, and think about what these what this card represents. Whether it's assigning a, a major arcana card, your favorite anime, or figuring out which of the people in your favorite TV show are represented by each card. It doesn't matter. It's giving yourself permission to just be for a few minutes. Even if we're, it's hard to, step away from the things that are trying to distract us, which are why we keep them around. There's some scary things that live out in our subconscious, but by giving yourself permission to connect to something outside of yourself, you're reminded that yourself isn't a bad place to be. It just takes time and a little bit of breath work. Usually taking a deep breath is one of the most beautiful things you can do to care for yourself because we live in our, in our society, we live in the top 10% of our lungs very shallow breaths, lots of movement, lots of things. But if you can engage your belly when you breathe, you're using up a good part of that, that lung capacity. Guess what? Your shoulders come down, your stress comes down, your blood pressure comes down, and it didn't cost you anything. Just take a minute, take some breaths, and just be, even for 30 seconds. 30 seconds can be an eternity when it's just you by yourself. But taking that deep, those deep breaths, it doesn't cost you anything. And it really gives you such a, it's a great return on investment. <laughs> All you need is to give yourself permission to not have to do anything or be anywhere for 30 seconds. Then you can build up from there. 
um, if you're actively in a moment, one of my favorite things to tell people is, A, run your hands or your wrists, especially your wrists under cold water. It's that vagus nerve and says, okay, everything's cool. We're fine here. You can put a little bit of salt in there if you feel a need for some, some cleansing and some purification. Buy a pack of gum. When your brain is freaking out, when your whole system is saying something bad is going to happen, chew some gum. What happens is it tells your brain, well, if I'm eating anything, I can't really be in, in peril because I wouldn't have time to stop and eat. So it tricks your brain into thinking, okay, things must not be all that bad. Snipers use this trick. Like it's, it's very calming for your, from your chest down. It gives you a place to be. It gives you something to do. And it tells yourself that things are, things might be a little wonky, but I'm not running for my life. So things must not be that bad. And you can, you can take down the stress note by note from there. But cold water and gum are, <laughs> will save a lot of uh, time and energy. Fantastic advice. I love that. That's great. Now, one other thing that I noticed about your book that a lot of, I find a lot of other authors have been afraid to touch on probably because of how many dangerous practitioners there are out there. And you said earlier, if you have, you know, 10 of these signs, go and get professional help. Well, one of the things a lot of people don't talk about is oftentimes when you go to get professional help, you know, nine out of 10 readers will tell you you're cursed just so that they can do uh, hex breaking on you or something. Yep. What is your advice for people to watch out for that and to not put themselves into a dangerous situation and to protect themselves from that when they're trying to get help from a dangerous situation? The first thing I always want to know is how much is this going to cost me? Um, an ethical practitioner will tell you up front, we're going to meet for a reading. It'll be a hundred dollars for an hour. We're just going to hang out and talk. It should be around the same cost as other related services like Reiki or massage therapy in that in your area. So if you're in San Francisco, it might be $200 an hour. If you're in Arkansas, it might be $50 an hour. The market determines the price, but it should be very close to what those practitioners are, are charging. You know, if you're hanging out with a tarot practitioner or a medium, it should be around that price point. But if they're saying, I'll, I'll light a candle for you. I just need $10,000 and I'm not, I'm not going to keep it. We're just going to set it on fire and, and burn your curse away. This is one of the oldest tricks of the book. Uh, it's really incredible the things that people do and the, the amount of ingenuity people have in separating people from their money. Uh, but the harder someone works to tell you they don't want your money, the harder they're working to get it. An ethical practitioner will just tell you up front, here's, here's the price list. If you need me to come out to your house and do a cleansing, you know, here's here's my materials list. Uh, here's how long it'll take, and this is how much you should expect to spend. But if the word thousand ever comes out of anyone's mouth, that's the big flag that says thanks but no. Uh, so you can go into your local metaphysical shop and ask if they have practitioners that they recommend that they can point you in the right direction. But just pulling up to a place with a neon hand in the window is not going to get you the things that you're thinking it will. Just go in there with an open mind and, and really understand what's happening. Um, one of the very, very easy techniques that gets used is the cards are pre-layered to come out in a certain pattern. Oh, oh, it's the death card. Oh, there's the tower. Like every bad card you've ever had an anxiety moment about comes up in the first two minutes you're there. Guess what, pumpkin? This is a scam. Let's go outside. 
<laughs> if you want, if you want to, if you want to sneak, if you were wondering how all these things work, how um, specific scams happen, how one of the best things I can tell you is to go on Hulu and uh, check. Oh my goodness, I just lost the name of the the, the series for uh, Jeffrey Donovan from Burn Notice is is the gentleman in the he's the protagonist of the show. It's a, it's a great show, and I'm, I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> It'll come back. <laughs> um, really fantastic. It's, it's the entire world of this particular show is uh, in with the, the Roma families and how they work through um, psychic parlors. Really neat stuff. Uh, it's a fictional show, but the, the obviously the ideas are real. For sure. All right, you've been kind of quiet there, Ma, and I know you have some questions. So what, what you got going on? I, I couldn't, I, this is all great. It's all, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I, what was I doing? I, I watched you actually on another podcast and you were saying about your cooking and you do this pork loin with um, cocoa and things. And I was oh like, my goodness, yes. <laughs> I need to hear about more about that. So, so you were, you're just so well-rounded. There's just so many things about eating black. I, I had a whole cookbook that I wanted to do. And it's very difficult to publish a cookbook because there's, you know, everyone's got their own niche and it's, it's difficult to do. So I was really tickled that I got to sneak some recipes into uh, Blackbird's Botanical Brews. So the, in the very back, there's a chapter on what to do with your individual potions. Uh, that you might not have some left over. What do I do with it? Oh, I could, you could pour it out as a libation to a spirit. You could do all sorts of things, but that cocoa rubbed pork tenderloin is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I use cocoa as a dry rub for this, this big hunk of pork tenderloin. And I sear it in the skillet on both sides for about five minutes. While it's simmering, while it's burning cocoa is not a great smell. So make sure you keep your windows open. Uh, but while that's all coming together, I actually make a really beautiful apple cider reduction. So it's three cups of apple cider and one third a cup of apple cider vinegar, a little bit of syrup for sweetness. And I just let it reduce by probably about half uh, while I'm searing this beautiful pork loin. I've got the oven heating up to about 400 degrees. And once I sear that on both sides and my, my reduction has reduced, I put them together, slide it in the oven for about half an hour depending on the size of the loin. Uh, and it comes out spectacularly. Uh, if you want to have a nice pork loin, you get some mashed potatoes, that reduction goes over the potatoes, perfect. But I've also made the same style and sliced it real thin to put on sandwiches for you know a cookout in July. Right. And I absolutely love that reduction. Uh, I also put my favorite technique in that whole book. People are gaga for lavender. Lavender cocktails, lavender teas, lavender everything. You can turn anything into a lavender recipe. You just add one teaspoon of fresh or, or dried lavender per one cup of uh, white sugar that goes into the recipe. So if you're making lavender lemonade, it calls for three cups of sugar. You do three teaspoons of lavender flowers. You want you make lavender sugar cookies. I make a really amazing lavender lemonade cookie with uh, frozen concentrate lemonade. 
anyways is that also in the botanical brews book yes it is there's a whole section of lavender Uh, there's a there's a lavender gin that we infuse Uh, there's lots of really nice stuff in there um and i i they take the idea of lavender revealing secrets you put it in a little bit of booze and guess what now you have a tongue loosening spell and some, you want someone to spill all their secrets here you go i'm loving that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have do you grow all the herbs in your own home or I, do, I grow a lot of them but the things that i grow i use for um my own purposes the stuff that i put in the teas i want to make sure that it has an origin and it's got you know a certification and all that stuff so I make sure that you know these things are usda certified organic or they're the uh, in-depth materials. So I don't use things that I grow in the things that I sell, but I do use them at home and with uh, practitioner friends. I just don't with, with selling tea and whatnot. So there's stuff that is from China, obviously it's not gonna have the USDA certification, but I wanna make sure that the people who I employ through creating these teas are making the best product they know how. So I do uh, orthodox planting versus buying someone from unorthodox tea uh, producer. The difference is how it's grown. So an orthodox uh, considered tea, they grow on the side of a mountain in China. They're handpicked leaf by leaf by a real person. They've, you know, they've been in this for their sixth generation of tea planting and uh, meticulous care versus unorthodox where they take it, it's a flat place of land and they take a we'll call it a lawnmower on on stilts, down the top of the tea plant, it's crushed, tear and cuts the leaf and sends it into a bag. So you get feathers, bird nests, bugs, all sorts of beautiful things are indiscriminately picked up by that lawnmower. So you see when you have a whole leaf in front of you versus a tea bag, the small particles, yeah, it'll brew quickly because there, there's the number of exposed edges. It'll make a cup of tea in a minute, but you're definitely not getting the same result as you know, a, a practitioner who's been doing this their whole lives, who had, goes out and knows which tea leaf is the right one and which one isn't, which one's not ready yet, which one's overripe. Then getting them to, uh, for example, with a lapsang souchong, they take these beautiful leaves and they dry them over a pine fire. The smoke from that pine fire is what dries the leaves you can taste that it's not artificial smoke flavor it's just smoke that sounds so it, these are all in our tea house as well right yes like this yeah it's a whole other layer here we go. <laughs> yeah um i when i left my my last post in in my security work it had gotten to the point where i had been because i was in charge i was you know the top of the food chain i responded directly to the owner of the company not, you know, Joe in maintenance or, or Bob across the street. So two o'clock in the morning, I get, I'm putting out literal fires. If someone couldn't come in, if someone had an illness and they had to leave, like I'm putting all those things on, making sure everyone's taken care of, but it means that I didn't have the energy to be me. I couldn't be a good partner. I couldn't be a good witch. I couldn't be a good anything because I was exhausted all the time. I was irritable from having to juggle 20 persons personalities. So and so doesn't like this guy, doesn't work want to work on shift with that guy. Like it's it's a lot. 
So I said, like, this is, I need to, I need to not be here. I trained my replacement. I left. And on my very first day as a joyfully unemployed person, I went down to my kitchen and I got out my giant cauldron. I set it on the counter. I got a great big pillar and some of the um, oil that I make. And I'm dressing the candle and I'm talking to it, telling it I need all this stuff. I got to get rid of the crap for my last job. Like I, I'm just bound up. I can't be myself. I need to get rid of all this baggage so I could figure out what the next thing is. And so I'm talking to myself. My partner wasn't home. Like I got the house to myself. The dogs are confused. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready to, to light the lighter to the wick. And the doorbell rang. And I left. I said, this is the fastest magic I've ever done. Like I didn't even have to light it yet. <laughs> The, the very fabulous uh, postal worker signed something and come back in the kitchen and all I can smell is the lemongrass and this oil just permeating the whole kitchen. And so I go to light the wick and the light bulb goes on over my head saying, you know, if I had a tea that had these same herbs as this oil, I could continue working my spell while I'm sipping my tea and keeping my attention focused on that candle to manifest whatever I'm looking for. So now I need this tea to be this magic. And next thing I knew, I had 15 tea recipes in my brain. So I, oh, I'm still using the same spiral notebook from eight years ago, but the the magic is right there. And I'm, goodness, I'm over it, over a hundred recipes now. You can actually, wow. like, there's a peak in, see right there? Those, those oh, shelves wow. are all full of teas. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. awesome. so yeah i'm over 100 teas and there's everything from uh, a deity line of teas so if you um really like working with the dagda or the morrigan or hecate or you know there's so many different pieces you can have a tea to you can leave tea for your devotional partner uh if you want to work with, with diana today and hecate tomorrow like they've got their own teas there's astrological for the original planets so i could have a venus tea which is uh, tastes like strawberry jam. Uh, there are the traditional oils that I started with. Those all have their own teas. Uh, it was really interesting trying to figure out how to make oils with no edible components into a, into a tea. <laughs> run Devil Run oil has, you know, steel wool and iron filings and things that are definitely not, you don't want to put that in your body. <laughs> so no. you have to look at the astrological and the magical equivalencies of what that oil is trying to do and then translate into something that you can eat. So it turned into a really beautiful uh, Ceylon black tea with black peppercorns. Black pepper makes sweet things taste sweeter. So you're actually getting this really beautiful sweet instead of what you would imagine is puckery and peppery and sort of shrinks your whole face. Instead, it's this really lovely blend that gets things moving while still tasting really lovely. That's awesome. That's some and great so how can, <laughs> And how do we get your teas? Tell us. You can, you can have all of my teas. There's blackthornsbotanicals.com. It'll take you right to the website. There are individual little sample packs. That we call them panacea pouches for whatever ails you. So you can, if you want to try deity teas or you want to try some black teas, you can pick which style of tea makes the best, or you can just let me pick six or 12 teas that I think really works for whatever's going on. There are individual size tins that are about two ounces. And then there's the larger four ounce tins, that same place where you can find autographed copies of all my books. Uh, there are some magical oils from 
uh, Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, there's a couple oils in there that are A, popular, and B, sort of hard to make. So I, I give you the option of just picking them up. The, uh, my favorite one is the Hex Shattering Oil from that book. It's, oh my God, there's a- You can smell a vision there, I can tell <laughs> <that>. <laughs> The main ingredient in this is oak moss, absolute. So oak moss, you see the green like in the sticks to the trees here in the great eastern great deciduous forest. It's a beautiful green lichen that's very vibrant when it starts to rain. In magic, it's hex breaking. So you can stuff a poppet with this beautiful uh, moss or the lichen and use it for hex breaking. Anything that's that's come your way, you can work your magic on a little poppet of yourself filled with that beautiful, beautiful scent. In perfumery, oak moss is absolute smells like leather and violets. So it's used as an organic replacement for fake leather scent. It's really, really lovely. Uh, there's also some neroli and some pedigrain in there. So you get a little citrus high right up here that brightens up your energy so that things can't stick to you. So it's, a, it, it's gentle enough to be worn as a perfume. It's strong enough to uh, break really nasty hexes. That's super awesome. Uh, if you have time here, Amy, I just actually had a late Patreon question come in for you. Um, sure. and they are wondering from the wonderful Amy Blackthorn, if you have any tips or tricks for communing with the spirits of the herbs and plants or awakening them so that they can get the most efficacious incenses or teas or whatever powders they're making or whatever, but they want to be able to commune with the spirits of the plants and really activate them to get the best potential out of them. They win the best question category. <laughs> One of the things I love uh, talking about when working with plants is uh, say you go and you decide to get a little mint plant and you put it in your front yard, you're gonna grow mint so you can have mint for tea. What happens when we cut those plants, you can dry it, you can grow, you can grow it fresh. What happens is that leaf, that vine, that, that particular plant material goes away. You compost it, that goes away, but the spirit of peppermint doesn't, the spirit of peppermint endures. So it, whether you're working with it as an essential oil, you're working with directly with the plant, uh, maybe you have some really gorgeous peppermint incense the spirit of peppermint is going to stay the same, no matter how you interact with its face. For example, when you're working with the essential oils, I, I really think of this as the soul of that plant. You're connecting with who peppermint is on the inside. So connecting with that overarching spirit of peppermint. The best thing I love to do is you can print out a picture from Amazon or uh, Google image search peppermint. You can find all sorts of really lovely, whether it's hand-drawn art or it's an actual picture, find the image that speaks to you most strongly and start there. You can pull it up on your phone. You can print it out on a printer. doesn't matter how you interact with that image, but just that you have it. Because what you're going to do is you're going to sit where you theoretically won't be disturbed close your eyes, and I want you to go and visit a garden in your mind. There's a smaller percentage of people who can't do pictures in their head. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a separate method that if you have that issue, you can feel free to contact me. I'll, I'll walk you through it. But visiting the garden in your mind, <clears throat> I want you to see yourself walking up to your 
spirit guides, whoever keeps you safe in, in the other. And together you're going to journey and visit the spirit of peppermint. Because each of these very beautiful plant materials has their own overarching spirit. They may have a completely different message for you than cardamom wood or lavender wood or clove wood. But each one of those messages is the right one for right now. How can you tell if it's if you're projecting or you're making something up in your head versus a real and true vision, a real and true experience? My favorite way to say it is <clears throat> if you're surprised with the things that they say. If you just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to Longwood Gardens and I'm going to meet Joe Bob under a tree and then Peppermint is going to tell me I'm a cool person. I never have to do any work ever again. <laughs> That's all well and good. But that, that, is, that is a projection. That is not coming to a place of uh, understanding and connection. That's just like, oh, hey, I'm, I wrote a nice story in my head, which is perfectly valid if you want to write a story. But if you want to have a genuine experience, allowing yourself to be surprised is going to be the best way to know that you actually had a true experience with whichever spirit that you're looking to commune with. And you can go back to your starting place, the, we'll say the garden at Longwood, because that's where I go. And you and your spirit guide can meet with lime or benzoin or frankincense. <coughs> Excuse me. You can have multiple journeys within the same time frame. You don't have to go and come back. There we go. You can have multiple journeys. Uh, I always suggest you take a notebook and a pen with you so you can write this down because you will not remember it. I promise you will not remember. Oh, I have a great memory. You are not living in your memory right now. You're living in the part of your brain that's outside somewhere else. So once you come back into your body, once you come back to awareness of yourself, write that down and then you can go and do whatever it is you're going to do. But make sure you write it down because you will not remember it. And that's okay. That's not the place where it was meant to be. You're not supposed to need to remember it. You can just, that's why uh, my, my black belt teacher always said that a short pencil was better than a long memory. So write it down. <laughs> that's some great advice. <laughs> and so then when you go and you journey to these spirits, then say, say for example, you're going to make a protection tea or you're going mm -hmm. to make a protection powder or whatever. Do you then petition those spirits and say, I need you to please activate this herb that I'm using or whatever to for its best potential for such and such a purpose? Or how do you go about, you know, activating individual ingredients? When I am writing the recipe, that's what I do. Like I look for what this plant is looking to add to that recipe. And then when I'm actually physically making that tea, each one goes with its own intention, but I don't have to do the spirit journey because we've already had that discussion. Okay. We, I've got the recipe written down. So I think of it more as active blending where I'm taking big varieties of different plants and I'm, I'm putting them together. That's when I can put that intention in there and make sure everybody's on the same plane. But the neat thing that I've noticed in eight years of doing this professionally, it's so easy to do earth scrying without, without meaning to. I wasn't intending to scry today, but mixing these herbs, especially since I do it in such an active way, it's, it's very calming and very peaceful. It lulls you into a place where it makes it very easy uh, to connect, connect and to commune with those spirits because you're already in a lower place doesn't need a lot of active working. It's not, not very 
big movements. You're just mixing these pieces together, making sure they have the right vibe, you know, to make sure they're connecting well. And it, it lends itself to surprise messages, we'll say. Almost like you've created your own form of sortilege without even meaning to. Correct. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely fantastic, Amy. Thank you for coming on today. And that was a very enlightening discussion. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here. We really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So great to meet you. It's just ah. a true pleasure. Like, wow. <laughs> thank and you so much. I so everything, all amyblackthorn.com, that's where we find everything of yep. you. Each of awesome. each book, the first two chapters of each book, uh, you can find for free to download at amyblackthorn.com. Uh, when the uh, preview is available for botanical wellness, it'll go up there. Right now you can learn the first three, four, four books, but I have all the first two chapters of the first four books are free to download. You can check that and make sure where you can find me. And then if you want to check out some teas or ritual oils or autographed copies of my books, you can check out blackthornsbotanicals.com. It'll take you directly to my, my Shopify shop. Um, I am everywhere on, on, on uh, social media. There's, there's fun things to do on TikTok. There's um, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just look for Amy Blackthorn author in all of these places. You'll find some, some fun things. We, uh, we've done the herbal dating game on TikTok every so often. Well, I flip through botanical magic here and talk about some of the magical equivalents and magical things that we talked about. So the magical correspondences of chamomile would be blessings, healing, and sleep. And so I say, okay, would you date this plant? If they're going to help with your blessings and sleep, um, chamomile is also really good for gambling luck, in case you didn't know. Uh, people <laughs> like to wash their hands in chamomile tea before they go out gambling. You can keep a little sachet of chamomile in the attic to keep your house from safe from lightning. So we talk about the individual little things that these plants can do when we're working together. And it's, it's just fun. That's great. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. <laughs> it's been, we are just so grateful that you said yes and you were here and thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. This just made my whole night. Thank you.